1: And away we go, it's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride editor show. My name is Pete Sweeney, I'm the editor in chief of arrowheadpride.com and I'm once again joined on this short week by my esteemed deputy editor John Dixon. John, feels like 7 days squished into about 48 hours. How are you handling it so far?
2: Uh, well, I'm okay so far, but we'll see. <laughs> The this, is a, this is a
1: fast turnaround. When it really doing, is. The good thing when you're doing this gig on the short week Thursday night football is it's, it's pretty busy at the beginning of the week. But you get through Thursday night. It might be a late night. Friday, it kind of calms down. You can enjoy what is the weekend. The Chiefs, of course, going to play the L.A. Chargers on Thursday night football. I believe the start time is about 720 Arrowhead time, 520 local time. It'll it'll. Be a really interesting game i'm I'm fortunate to be heading out to Los Angeles for this game because as it turned out John it, it really feels like by far the biggest game of the year thus
2: far mm-hmm. yeah I um it, you can call it that now but you know we've already had some big games this year and right. when you look back on them now their importance uh is was just what we thought it would be um you know we thought the first chargers game would be a big one and it was. And this one wouldn't be nearly as big if the Chiefs had won that game, you right. know. Um, so it's it's all relative, as always. You know the the narrative changes as the season goes on, and and this season is no different than any other in that respect. They all the big games throughout the season uh, count the same in the final uh, the final analysis of the playoff race.
1: We're going to be talking uh,
2: about it all show
1: but in in a sense this is a playoff game and Mm -hmm. and it's because it's for first place because the Chargers have that tiebreaker if if they win they'll be in first place and it really sends you down from home field whether that be a second third or fourth seed to the fifth seed the chiefs win and we'll talk about the playoff um implications soon they are in control uh, of quite a bit but before we get ahead of ourselves we have to get to our ratings and reviews. Oh I boy, have, I have, yeah, I have said uh, that I would read these things uh, no matter what, and I'm gonna stay true to my word. If you leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes, we will, we will read it. And I read them last week, and we're gonna do it again. All right. So this one comes from uh, <laughs> Husky, and he left five stars, which is nice. Where can I get that Christmas? Tomahawk chop that you play at draft miss time. I love it so much and can't find it anywhere. Well, right now we're in the regular season. And so I, I I can't spend time looking for that, that song for you, but I, I feel like if you scroll down enough here on the Apple iTunes or the Spotify, as the kids are calling it, right. You go, you could probably find it and record it yourself. So uh, Husky 99, uh, that's what I'll encourage you to do until the chiefs are out of it. And then we get to draft time and then maybe we'll bring it
2: back. Yeah. All
1: right, Uh, Arrowhead Anna, another five-star review, uh, Chiefs in Denver. Uh, This is the second review that they've left. I am a Denver resident who has religiously listened to the AP podcast network since 18. I have to chime in here and disagree with the previous five-star review, hating on the old guys. While Pete and John have delivered consistent A-plus content all year, the podcast would not be the same without the old humor, ridiculous leaky toilet intro uh he said to the old guys i've got your back arrowhead pride thanks for always delivering the content i need living in the city of a division rival y'all are the best so we appreciate that that's fair some of the love for our our former and and departed comrades and we appreciate the continued listenership here we got a a, a great new thing going here all right ap rating from from border warrior (laughs) the This one this one is special. <laughs> this is a special rating. Oh, so this good. is five, Here we five go. stars. The BK and show show is sometimes borderline unlistenable. I'm going to disagree there to start, but Serta starts his annoying giggling <laughs> for 15 minutes straight, and I have to terminate the podcast. I tend to appreciate Serta's uh, giggling. All right, let's continue. Even the Brits, who talk as much and more knowledgeably about soccer as they do the chiefs are more entertaining thank you for replacing the group that was on before the summer so a little bit of a disagreement i guess from the last review ap is generally much better now i i maybe made a mistake in promising that i would read these (laughs) on our editor show but a commitment is a commitment that's right at this point if you if you go and and you leave us a rating and review especially if you you leave us five stars I'll, i'll be happy to to read it we appreciate them all con- the constructive criticism whatever you want to say i just have
2: to it. point out here that uh, yeah. an annoying laugh is very much a p- matter of personal preference right one person's annoying laugh is another person's adorable laugh so
1: and i think the appreciate- beauty of right yeah. and i think the beauty of the new arrowhead pride podcast network is is we provide you a lot of looks at the Chiefs. we got out of structure mm-hmm. on monday yep. we have us on tuesday The Brits, I think, bring a really unique perspective on Wednesday. Thursday, we bring someone out out of town to talk about that team. And then Friday, uh, a special show in BK. I especially felt like, and if you have not listened to it, um, the beginning of last week's show in BK (laughs) where my pal Ron, the show Ugly, is just discussing, let's just say weddings. Uh, We'll leave it at that. I was laughing out loud (laughs) and had to shut off the podcast at a certain point.
2: Yeah, it's worth checking that out. It yeah, that that gives some yeah. perspectives that maybe have accru- should have like occurred them. to people before. Yeah. To <laughs> the guy who doesn't like
1: Cerda's giggling, maybe that'll bring you back. That was a special <laughs> moment for us on the AP podcast. All right. Enough, enough, enough. Leave us a rating and review. You get it. Let's get into the news of the Kansas City Chiefs. First of all, I'm leaving Arrowhead Pride to become the VP of Communications at the Chiefs. <laughs> I've decided to do it. <laughs> nope. Just kidding. <laughs> Well, congratulations to Sam Melliger. Yes. This is loosely connected to us. We'll no longer really, it seems, be covering the Chiefs anymore, right? He's, he's leaving for to become the, the VP of Communications, yeah. replacing yeah. Swanee at the Kansas City Royals, a friend of the site, a friend of our program, a friend of mine, and uh, we're really pumped for him. And so just a, yeah. a vastly different role. I'm excited to see um, how he makes it his own, and we – I think I could speak for a lot of us at Arrowhead Pride and the Chiefs fan base will miss his commentary on the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. I mean, it, it was unlike anyone else in, in the city, for sure.
2: Always all outstanding. And I've always appreciated his outlook on things. I like that he doesn't uh, participate in needless bashing, you know, which yeah. you sometimes see in commentary. Uh, that's something he just doesn't do. And and I always appreciate that. I, I always appreciate that a lot more than, than other kinds of commentary. So hats off to you, Sam and good luck across the parking lot. Agreed there. And eager to see, you know, who kind of
1: takes the lead and, and becomes the chiefs commentator over there when it comes to, to columnists, It it's certainly large shoes to, to fill. And I think it's great to have Meliger still in the city and, yeah. and with that new organi- or owner group and, and, I think he'll bring a a unique perspective being on the other side and now having to help journalists and uh, a guy that really didn't have to, to be in a sense a a mentor and friend to me as a a kid on the beat. I started as an intern and was really friendly the entire way and kind of was always willing to have a conversation and whatnot. So we're, we are thrilled here at Arrowhead pride for Sam Mellier. All right, let's get into the, the regular chiefs news here. And COVID is now becoming a thing. There is the, Omicron Omicron variant, which is having an impact on the NFL. The league had a high for people going to the COVID list since last year. Mm
0: -hmm. 36
1: players went to the COVID list on Tuesday, and it's a little bit unclear uh, for what's going to happen in this Chiefs game right now. I'm tending to think the two players, so it's Chiefs wide receiver, Josh Gordon, uh, and Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater, are added to the COVID-19 list. This is just such a gray area for us, so it's hard for us to really talk about like we don't really know what exactly is happening because the NFL has certain processes they're they're going through with this. If you're vaccinated, it takes two negative tests to over 20, over 48 hours to be reactivated. Now, when you're in a short week and guys get added to the COVID-19 list on a Monday like the, it almost feels like maybe Thursday night football rules you out, but I'm not a hundred percent on that right now because mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Josh
1: Gordon tweeted out last night that he was vaccinated, which to me would, what I would think if he got a negative test on Wednesday and then one on Thursday, then he would be eligible. But if they're positive I, I, on, on Monday, yeah. we don't really know. So yeah, it
2: depends a lot on exactly when the tests are administered and right. You know how they do the math on that stuff. Yeah,
1: I would think that and let's just say for argument's sakes, we can discuss it. I would think that these two players are not going to be available on Thursday night. So Mm -hmm. I think in a sense and, you know, you don't always want to call COVID-19 a break, but this is more of a break for the Chiefs. You would you would take this exchange if it was not, you know, a, a obviously yeah. an infectious d- disease. If you said, OK, for whatever reason, X, we're trading out Josh Gordon and you guys lose your starting left tackle who's played well for you this year. I think you would take that. Uh, yep. it, it's, it's unfortunate because you don't want to see this impact teams. Sure. But with the way that Frank Clark is playing and this front four is playing i mean this is a huge development for the kansas city Chiefs, and and it provides them to me a significant advantage now if you're talking about the defensive line at the beginning of the year i might tell you and i don't know how much this really even matters but this line is cooking against starters and so for them to now have to maybe be dealing with two replacement offensive linemen certainly the one i think is significant news for this thursday night game
2: yeah absolutely and um you know, they have a lot of people who didn't practice in their estimated injury report on Makes Monday. Makes no sense. Yeah. Thursday uh, night
1: football breaks my brain because I don't know what to trust. Yeah. They had seven f- the people that estimated not practice. Well, what does that even mean? I, can you yeah. just put whatever because it's estimated? So, we'll see on, on the Tuesday report when they actually right. take the field, but yeah, right, right now we don't really know a lot about the availability of anyone. It's almost like, well, why are you doing the podcast, Pete and John? Well, this is the day we do it. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> we had to pick a day, and this is
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, flying, I'm flying to L.A. this afternoon. I don't have time. Um, yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, we'll see about well, these two. I, I tend to think they won't play. And, again, a, a huge advantage for the Chiefs front four, who has been looking like the best front in the league. Now, I, I did watch as Aaron Donald moved a 350-pound man and threw him to the ground last night. So we got to be yeah. careful in saying that. I so, saw
2: some of that game, too. Yeah. The Rams
1: are 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 making it interesting in the in the NFC. The Cardinals are no longer in first place in the NFC. You have the Green Bay Packers and you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers second. For those of you who are eager for a rematch of the Super Bowl last year, I think it's very possible at this point with the way that mm-hmm. the AFC is breaking. Of note, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, the Chiefs as of their win on Sunday are now the Super Bowl favorites once again. So from the bottom Now we hear the Super Bowl favorites are crazy where they've come uh, from being three and four at the beginning of the season until now. Let's talk about this Chiefs Raiders game. John, you didn't do a super deep dive like you usually do into these snap counts, but I'm sure there were still some things to take away. What stood out to you in in Chiefs and Raiders?
2: Um, Well, you know, the whole thing got skewed because the Chiefs uh, did something you don't normally see in a regular season game. Uh, which is they took out the starters yeah. um, late in the game. Uh, actually, uh, towards the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was pretty early in the game to be pulling starters. And it had more of an impact on defense than it did on offense because, <laughs> because the uh, there were two dry, just one drive besides the kneel down at the end for the Chiefs uh, after they took players out and that one drive was a one play drive <laughs> right <laughs> when uh, Derek Gore took the took the handoff and ran to the end zone on the first play of the drive so um it 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 made more of a difference on defense than it did on offense so you kind of have to uh, finagle the numbers a little bit to really see where things actually went right um to me one of the more interesting things is that the Chiefs continue to to de-emphasize the players at the second level. Um, They actually had fewer linebackers in on individual snaps than they've had at any point in any game this season. Um, And that actually uh, ended up pushing Nick Bolton's snap counts up because it appears that he's the guy who went in when the rest of the linebackers were sitting on the bench at the end of the game uh, as the primary Mike linebacker. Um, so that was good for him. I'm sure it was good for the Chiefs to um, to give him some work and see what he can do when in there, when he's got the green dot on his helmet and is doing the job that they hope that he can eventually do. Uh, I'm not sure that this is what Steve Spagnuolo had in mind last week when he said that he was hoping to get Nick Bolton more snaps. <laughs> he's going to try and find a way to do it. I I, I guess... You know, getting out to a 39 point lead is one way to do it, but I, I doubt that's what Spagnolo had in mind when he made that comment. I like so, Steve
1: Spagnolo. I, I want to yeah. say
2: that Steve Spagnolo, I like yeah. him a
1: lot. Right? I do too. I really do. And I, I love that he's a, a straight shooter with us, but it's my job to like raise these questions. I think potentially one of his fatal flaws is leaning into veterans when the young kid might be a better option. And I just see that with Anthony Hitchens. And I know how much that Steve Spagnuolo is fond of Anthony Hitchens and of Dan Sorensen. And I, I think he sometimes is a little bit hesitant to put those young guys in because of the relationships when to me it's obvious who the better option is. And I just wonder, and I'm not saying it definitely is, because i'm going to use this cliche you know steve spagnolo knows more about defensive football than i can ever learn right on the outside right right that being said to me i i just think it's worth wondering should bolton just be the starter and can anthony like should anthony hitchens are you a better football team if anthony hitchens is in a more reserved role and playing almost like that backup quarterback who's the veteran Behind Bolton, because when Anthony Hitchens was out, Bolton was really coming into his own. And we're seeing a decline in snaps at, you know, as Hitchens is, is is healthy. I think your most athletic linebacker lineup includes Bolton on the field for what would be 100 percent of the snaps, if, if not very close to that.
2: Well, as as we often do, we will have a young guy, old guy argument between us. And as okay. the old guy, I, I yeah. will take the uh, I will take the uh, the idea that old guys know what they're talking about, uh, right? More often than you probably realize, and uh, yes, I think if you're looking at it strictly from what we can see on the field, uh, athletic profile, the kinds of plays they're able to make, I think you're exactly right. Nick Bolton is a better player than a guy like Hitchens, but what we cannot see and will never see is what happens in the meeting rooms. Yeah, um, you know. Spagnolo's defense is one that is built on players working together more than players making plays individually. I always go back to uh, Dick Vermeule's uh, defense, which was the same thing. Uh, I once had a colleague in the press box say to me, you know, Gunther Cunningham coached these players to kill. And this Robinson guy is coaching players to think. Well, Spagnolo, is like that. He's coaching his players to think and to work together as a unit. It, in in Robinson's case back when Vermeil was the head coach it didn't work. But as we are seeing now Spagnolo is able to make this scheme work when he has the players that he that he needs to make it work. And I I think it's hard for us from the outside to really fully appreciate what Spagnolo sees in these players. Uh, That we consider to be less athletic. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying there's always a piece of this that we can't see and we never will see. And that's my hesitation in in just saying, oh yeah, Nick Bolton should be out there now over Anthony Hitchens. Maybe he should be, but I think it's, it's, it's hard to make that declaration without all the information and we will never have all the information. That's my point there. I,
1: I, I completely uh, agree. And, and that was kind of why I prefaced what I was saying the way I did. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around Nick Bolton yeah. in the backfield, mm-hmm. tackling Derrick Henry four times for loss. And then him yeah. not being on the field that much. I, I just, yeah. it's just hard for me to make sense of I, both. I, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get that.
2: Yeah. Uh, elsewhere. Oh, I'm yep. sorry. Go ahead. Uh, then elsewhere on the offensive side, uh, I think the big headline was that uh, Derek Gore got some more work right. and it wasn't all because the starters were on the bench. Some of those snaps took place in the third quarter. So I think the Chiefs were trying to get a better look at him when they had the opportunity to do that. That's a good thing. Um, McCole Hardman got some snaps. He, you know, he was in really rough shape the last couple of weeks in terms of his usage. He got some snaps uh as um uh, as an offensive player and made some made some plays in in that respect. So that's good news for him. Um let's see what else comes to mind here. Surely you have a comment while I think about that.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean I have something on the wide receivers. So McCole Hardman was able to get a little bit more burn than he did last game. He was mm-hmm. season low nine snaps when you're McCole Hardman and a former second rounder, and you're trying to build on your career here and you pop up with nine snaps. That's always going to catch everybody's attention. So 21 is a, is a boost there. Gordon had 22 Demarcus Robinson had 23. So we just named three wide receivers in the twenties. What has stood out, and I, I think was a confirmation of last week, is the Chiefs saw over the bye that we need to give Byron Pringle a real opportunity. He comes in at, yep. at 32 snaps. He is the third wide receiver. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it, they're giving him an opportunity to say, okay, you you need to be mm-hmm. in this position so we can see what we have here. And I, I think it in part is in the short term. They feel like he's the best option because they are very much in a first-round bye race, which we'll talk about in a second. And number two... I think if they feel like they're strong enough about Byron Pringle, maybe they don't have to draft a wide receiver in the second or third round, which is maybe what they would have had to have done in the next draft. Like potentially, he could be that guy for you, you know, if you you feel good about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and and those weapons there and and Clyde Edwards-Helaire and and what you're building offensively and and spend that capital on who knows, you know, where you go with that. Is it uh, another edge player to replace Frank Clark that you maybe can parlay with the second rounder to get a little bit higher in the first rounder to get an impact guy. I mean, we're coming out of an an NFL draft where Parsons, who is the the best player in the draft, in my opinion right now went 12th. So maybe you can get up there. You know, if you're, you're, you can use some of those picks and and get an edge player an impact player. Maybe you go somewhere in the secondary Again, who knows what happens with Tyron Matthew, but if you can identify that you don't necessarily need to put another pick into wide receiver because Byron Pringle shows out these, this last stretch and you, know, you can get him back and, and feeling good, uh, I think it changes the game but both in the short term and the long term. And we've been really wondering uh, when the Chiefs would finally give Pringle an opportunity because in his spot moments, he looked the part. Right, and he had the two drops the first game. He, it looked like he played a little bit better in this game, and so I, I continue. I expect this to
2: continue to be the trend for Pringle
1: heading into Thursday night football.
2: And he also had a spectacular play. I mean, on on Sunday he had a, a play where he uh, found a way to get open and get a big yep. catch from Mahomes, and that was really cool to see. You want to see that uh, in a wide something receiver that plays with, with these Mahomes.
1: Pl- something yeah. clicks in with these players eventually where yeah. they realize Patrick Mahomes plays are just longer. And yeah. at a certain point when it is broken down and you can find maybe a, a soft spot, a pocket where you know, you're know you open, and it, it it seems like maybe that is clicking for Pringle. And if you can get on the same page of Mahomes, we talk about the mind melt with Kelsey and Hill, and you're going to be that guy for him, and he can gain that trust and kind of knows what you're doing. Mahomes actually talked about this with Hardman, as it turns out, because Hardman broke off his route for that big 44-yarder and Mahomes actually said after the game, like, I don't know. I didn't know what Hardman was going to do. And they still found a way to connect. <laughs> and then, like, speaking of things we don't know, uh, you know, we right, always feel like we know right. everything.
2: Um, and then uh, one more thing, if we're, oh, we're you done got with that. Okay, yep. go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, people are always interested in what Chris Jones did. Uh, which CJ95. Uh, yep. Uh, which they flipped, uh,
1: the, they flipped the script, right?
2: They, they did. Yeah. This is the first time since. Um, gosh, I think you know, was we, well, the first time since the winning streak began that uh, Jones played more often, more snaps at defensive end than he did at defensive tackle. But again, there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, you know, we saw during the game, they showed us replays where they had, had swapped Jaron Reed and Chris Jones, and Reed was on the outside and Jones is on the inside. And I think those snaps are just doing what. Steve Smagnola was talking about when they first started discussing, putting Chris Jones at defensive end, that they would do it depending on the situation and the matchups and that kind of thing. So I think that's what those were. Right. But I think what actually happened here is that all the defensive linemen's snap counts were pretty steady over the week before, despite the fact that starters sat down, there was one exception and that was Frank Clark. Frank Clark's snap counts went down, approximately by the number of snaps that the defense had starters on the bench. So I think what happened was that Frank Clark sat down and Chris Jones lined up at defensive end across mm. from Melvin Ingram, maybe to who get had there, yeah, yeah. And so this is an example of how statistics can sometimes look a lot different than the actual reality, of the situation. Um, I think what happened here is that they decided that Clark was the guy that needed the rest. Everybody else stayed in, and Jones and uh, Jones just got more snaps at defensive end. So we shouldn't panic about, you know, some philosophical change taking place here. I think it was all about, um, uh, well, mostly about uh, what happened at the end of the game.
1: Well, the better that <clears throat> Chris Jones can get, flip flopping the better the yeah. Chiefs are going to be because they oh, yeah. present yeah. a variety of, of looks. So maybe they were, were doing that and, and getting him some more opportunity there as you know he continues to to work on that part of his game.
2: Well, and lacking the point about starters being on the bench and Frank Clark being the only guy on the defensive line who was sitting down, I was looking at it and thinking, you know, maybe we should think this is good because this is what the Chiefs always wanted to be able to do which right. was to use Chris Jones in a variety of different ways that the offenses couldn't anticipate. And maybe they've now gotten it to the point that they can do that mm-hmm. um, because they, they've now committed to him for, to being a defensive tackle for a while. So now they have to worry about that. But now in an individual play, they can swap him and Jared Reed on the line and, and the offensive line is going, Whoa, what do we do now? And that's of course, exactly what Spagnola wants.
1: Mike Hughes had 100% of the mm-hmm. snaps in this game, filling in for LeJarrius Sneed. And and this was quite intentional because you saw Hughes, who's now the starting punt returner, technically speaking, come off punt returner. hardly yep. got those snaps again. And Hughes had the game of his life. I mean yeah i I didn't watch him that closely in minnesota believe it or not but i i tend to think that two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery for a touchdown the first play of the game gets it done yeah it's probably up there and and for him to have a spot start like that Mm -hmm. he has not looked like a starting cornerback in the nfl for much of the season but here he came and and my god what a game that that he was able to have yeah that's an acquisition for a sixth rounder too. I mean, we talked so much about the Ingram acquisition for a sixth rounder um, Hughes. I, I, I actually don't believe it was just a one for one. It was like a pick grade, meaning it was a can, I think the chiefs just, they still have the pick, but they just went back to the seventh round. If I'm remembering
2: this correctly. Yeah. Hughes. I'd have to go look that up. I don't remember the specifics. I think, of
1: that. I think that's what it is. I, I think they, they went back around essentially to, to get Mike Hughes, And so, another just uh great trade and, and Brett Veach continues to nail the reserve and end of the roster. I think a lot of fans are eager. And and I, I think watching in, in Brett Veach's career, it, we're eager to see that, that first premium selection that, you know, isn't Patrick Mahomes. You know, I know he wasn't the GM, but he had to, a lot to do with that. We know um, of, of, okay, this is going to be, you know, a, a guy that we take in that 15 to 20 range and let's see if he can have, you know, if you would have to trade up for that right now with the Chiefs, but let's see if he can have a significant impact on this team and someone you're not gonna have to pay for four years. I think that's the next step in in like Brett Beach's GM tenure, because this draft class is pretty good, man. Uh, you know, a lot of hits. Some guys were waiting on on seeing. We'll see what Noah Gray becomes, but
2: mm-hmm. yeah. for
1: Trey Smith and 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 Creed Humphrey, we talked about Nick Bolton. Uh, we 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 were waiting for a draft class like this, where up and down, you yeah. Know, like he he pretty nailed it. Well, we don't have to talk about Cornell Powell right now. So I see him sometimes, <laughs> in practice, and practice. Well, you know, squad. he
2: could end up being a great player. You just never know about maybe. These yeah, Maybe he needs
1: yeah. a little extra seasoning. A little yeah, you know, speaking, or not. Speaking of, speaking yeah. of marinated takeaways maybe it needs to marinate a little bit more all right all right all right what else do we have to what else do we have to do in this uh first segment here oh we're talking about the what's the next thing oh the playoff picture yeah oh yeah so, thursday night football has me off my game i don't even know yeah i, I, I lost my my paper here my digital outline anyway john take, <laughs> i'm talking too much take it away the playoff picture
2: yeah well of course it always helps a, a team's playoff picture when they win a game uh, it doesn't matter too much if they win it big, as the Chiefs did on Sunday. But uh, winning that game moves them a little forward in their uh, probabilities to, to do all the things they want to do, make the playoffs, win the AFC West, get a first-round bye. But they also got some help this weekend uh, in the form of a, uh, a loss for the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs needed two of those before the season was over. Now they've had those two losses. There were actually five games from four teams where um, they needed to have, uh, have losses. And uh, they've had three of them now. So all Kansas City needs now to have an opportunity to control their own destiny for the first round by is for the Patriots and Tennessee Titans each to lose at least one of their games. And I'll point out that if either of those teams tie one game and the Chiefs win out, that would also give them the first-round bye. But we're mostly talking about wins and losses because that's what normally happens. But that just means that the Chiefs control their destiny. They're still going to have to win out in order to get that first seed. We need to always uh, make that point when we're talking about the playoffs. I'm ready to do it. I need a new makeup, bold
1: prediction, because Chris Jones decided to injure his wrist this year and he's not going to break the sack record. I'm ready to do it. (laughs) Starting from Thursday to Sunday, the Chiefs will go from third place in the AFC and we will wake up on Monday and they will be in first place. How does that happen, Pete? Well, the Chiefs win on Thursday night. You wait two days, you get your blue, you get your Colts blue on. You're rooting for Carson Wentz.
0: Mm-hmm. I, know,
1: I know that that does not sound fun. I know you don't want to root for Carson Wentz. That's okay, though, because you have to. So you get your Colts blue on. You watch him beat the Patriots on Saturday night. Okay, now we're in second. What what else do we need here? Uh, we need for
2: gonna, the uh, Steelers to beat the Titans.
1: This is going to be the hard one, John. I knew yeah. you, you you interrupted my WWE monologue here. <laughs> you... you And then you wake up, you say, all right, enough of this Colts blue. We we got the W we need. And then you got to really swallow it. You got to kind of put on your black and yellow (laughs) a little bit. And you got to root for Big Ben, who is a really hard player to root for. But that's okay, right? Because it's just going to be for three hours out of your day. Yeah. Big Ben beats the Titans. Maybe Chase Claypool doesn't celebrate at all. And then bada-bing, bada-boom, bing-bong, getting back to my New York roots. You have yourself the first round bye in the AFC and all you have to do now is beat the Steelers, the Bengals and the Broncos and you get your week off as you watch Super Wildcard weekend which will have a team playing on Monday night somehow. Okay, yeah. so I think it'll happen. I know it sounds crazy, but I I really think this Slater thing is a big deal to me. It, it almost tips the scale on two very close teams, the way they're playing yeah. right now Chiefs mm-hmm. and Chargers. Yeah. I like the way the Colts are playing. I know that everyone is focusing on the chiefs and the Patriots is the hottest team in the AFC. They may not be, it actually might be the Indianapolis Colts and, and they're going to play a Patriots team. And I like Carson Wentz right now, slightly more than I do Mac Jones, who is still a rookie. And I understand the wind was crazy. The Patriots passed three times in the game of the year. That is not trusting your quarterback. Give me Carson Wentz in that game. And then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is still the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry. And the Steelers are just a team that eventually shows up for games. And they Mm -hmm. were down 29-0 against the Vikings. Somehow made it a game halfway through the third quarter. They didn't win it. But Mike Tomlin coaches these guys up and always has them around 500. How do you get to 500? By winning your half your games. I'll take the Steelers against the Titans. And I think the Chiefs will control their own destiny for the bye on Monday, which I'll admit, I never thought was a possibility, John.
2: At yeah. the beginning of the year, the way that it, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been very hard when the Chiefs were three and four to say, oh, yeah, they're going to get the first seed of the AFC. Would have been very hard to make that prediction. But this is why you don't want to make predictions like that. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes they, things play out like you don't expect. And you should never give up on a season before before it's halfway through and maybe even before it's three quarters through because things can change so dramatically in this league because they've worked so hard to make it a, a league of parity. Uh, and I'll also point out, you know, these are games that could really go either way. Um, you know, if you don't, if you're not looking at the, the betting lines, which are designed to, you know, put the same amount of money on both sides of the bet and aren't necessarily Intended to reflect what's actually going to happen in the game. Yeah, these two games are both both very close. I mean, if you look at what 538 says, for example, um, the Titans Steelers game is a pick'em. I mean, they don't have any idea which team is going to win that game. And I I think the Colts are favored by a point and a half. I think the last time I looked at 538, that's that's you know those two games could go either way. But you know, because they could go either way, we might only get one of them to fall in our favor. And um, I think the game that I'm most hoping for, uh, as the as the backup plan, would be the Titans against the Packers the following week. Right. I think the Packers yeah. would would have a very good chance to win that game. So uh, there's still lots that could happen in the last three weeks of the season, and we could, and even if this doesn't play out the way we want it to this weekend. If the Chiefs win, we've seen a lot of crazy upsets in this league, and I I would not begin to claim that you know a team like the Chargers or the just saying that you're just automatically going to win the rest of your games is a is a bad mistake. I think in this well, I, season, I just
1: talked talked about the variance of the Steelers. One week yeah. they look terrible; yeah. the the next yeah. week they look like they could be a playoff team. So yeah. That's one of the teams. The Bengals look way better than they have ever, it, seemingly, since I've been doing this. And and Joe Burrow is legit. I mean, it's a legit sure, playoff yeah. quarterback that could, I, I think could win in the playoffs if they're able to make it. And that'll essentially be a playoff game for both teams. Mm-hmm. And then you have a Broncos team, and you might have guys nipping at your backside, teams nipping at your backside, and you might have to play that Week 18 game. And you might be facing a Broncos team that needs to win for the seventh seed. They're in a position mm-hmm. right now. So I agree completely. I, I I made my bold prediction, and I think the Chiefs will have the first <laughs> seed on Monday, but that doesn't mean they'll have it on Monday heading into wild card weekend. Right. We'll have to right. see for that. So
2: because that applies to the Chiefs too. The Chiefs could could also uh you know give up a game that we would not expect them to lose right. before the season is over. It's it's always hard. To win out, you know, with four games remaining and um, and it's no easier for the Chiefs than it is for anybody else. Of course, we believe they will do that because they're our team. But
1: (laughs) all right, John, there was no Andy Reid on Monday because of the short week. We're actually getting him on Tuesday. So no Andy Reid takeaway segment this week, which means right when we come back, we'll get into those world famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us right here. on the Air at pride editors show.
0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member FDIC. well i'm gonna let this marinate
1: you know let that one marinate and then we can circle back
0: adapt react readapt. It takes time it takes years <laughs> that's the takeaway
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, getting ready for this short week Thursday night football game. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers. Before we do, we're going to get into some of our marinated takeaways from this Chiefs and Raiders game. Stay locked into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as the Great British Chiefs Show will serve as our preview this week and then showing BK Sorry again to that reviewer. We'll be and and Cerda's giggles will be covering the post game <laughs> this week while BK is on his honeymoon. And I believe BK will be back the following week as we come out of the mini buy that happens with Thursday night football. But enough, let's get into our marinated takeaways from Chiefs Raiders. John, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I almost wrote about this. Um, and I have to admit that uh, I I don't have a lot of marinated takeaways from this game because we had to immediately turn around and start thinking about the charges, just like the Chiefs coaches have to do. Well, I was listening on Six Ten
1: Sports Radio last night to Mitch Holtis, and uh-huh. and he had been talking all shell about having dolphin brain because we are focused on Thursday night football, <laughs> and I don't disagree with him, which is why we're turning the page quickly. At Arrowhead Pride, it, it it is a weird phenomenon. Thursday night football, where you mm-hmm. have to really turn quickly. But let's look. Like, we can't let down our 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 listeners who love the world famous. So let's absolutely. Let's hear what you have to say.
2: And ahead. we got to talk about a, a forty eight to nine victory. I mean, we can't just let that sit in the background. Correct. Well, I almost wrote about this, and it, when the game began, and uh, you know there was a fumble <laughs> on the opening play that the chiefs referred returned for a touchdown after this thing that happened at midfield that the Raiders did. Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but think about the 1969 AFL championship game. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if you, if you're familiar with this story, Pete, but um, you know, the chiefs went into the AF and into the playoffs that year as a wild card. The Raiders had actually won the division that year and had defeated the Chiefs twice uh, before doing that. And then the Chiefs had won narrowly against the New York Jets in the wild card round while Oakland had slaughtered the Houston Oilers. Everybody thought the Raiders were going to win that game. Okay. Everybody thought that. Right. And the Raiders certainly thought that. And the story goes, the official confirmed, yes, we know this is true story, is that the Raiders packed their bags for New Orleans before oh, wow. the game because they were so certain that they were going to win that game in advance to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl Four that was going to be played in New Orleans. Now, what is less confirmable is the way that Chiefs players tell it, was that the Raiders' bags were packed and they were lining the tunnel that the chiefs had to walk through in order to get to the field and chiefs players from that era who tell this story that way say that from that moment on the Raiders were toast. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't help, but think about that uh, after we saw that opening of the game, after this, this stunt that the Raiders pulled. But then as the game progressed, I started thinking of another game and that one was in 1991. When the Chiefs hosted the Buffalo Bills, then the defending AFC uh, champions at that time, the Chiefs are four and two coming into that game. Uh, Nobody was quite taking them seriously yet. right? And here they've got the Bills coming in uh, for a home game at Arrowhead. Uh, if If I remember right, it was Monday night football for the first time in quite a while. I was there. I was in the upper deck that night and the chiefs destroyed the bills <laughs> 33 to 6 and oh, uh the, the chiefs had five takeaways in that game it seemed like there was one every every 2 minutes right i mean it wasn't quite like that but in the stands and i mean you could feel the stadium shaking and at that moment i remember thinking oh gosh the chiefs are are The real thing these guys are going to be a good team for a period of time because it wasn't really clear Mm -hmm. that that was the case before 1991 you kind of had those hints that it was going that way but in that moment in that stadium that night you really felt the Chiefs had arrived and I kind of felt that way after watching this game on Sunday Mm -hmm. I mean yeah it's the Raiders the Raiders are going to Raider and they did some of that stuff But it's also true that the Chiefs defense forced those fumbles. The Raiders didn't just drop them. You know, the Chiefs defense really played great on Sunday, and so did the offense. So I think this was a a wake-up call for the league, kind of like what we saw in 1991. I love that. I love all of that.
1: I have a couple comments stemming from all of that. First of all, my God. What a pleasure it is to have the historian on the staff at Arrowhead Pride so we could compare the present <laughs> with the past and learn. And and no, I I, I think that's a, a really cool aspect where we are able to compare it to, to games of Christmas past as we're in the Christmas season. Really strange move by the Raiders to go on the logo. That's the first first thing I, I'd say. You know, we talked about the, how hot the Patriots and the Colts are. This is a move that a hot team does. They come in. Got a ton of confidence. Yeah. They feel like they're playing well. The Raiders have lost four or five coming into this game. Such a strange move for Ngakwe to to go to the arrowhead and do it against a team who is hot, like who has won five games in a row. Made no sense. I do want to say this. I'm, I'm not sure how many Chiefs knew. It seems like some of them may have gotten word from somebody, but the Chiefs weren't on the field at this time. Now they knew after the game because there were several tweets kind of quote tweeting it and, and laughing at them. I think Armani Watts and Willie Gay were among those chiefs who tweeted. This is essentially embarrassing that you guys did this. I'm not sure how many chiefs actually knew about the logo. Now fans will remember that forever. I called it the logo game on Arrowhead pride, a quick Trademark. side story. Yeah. Quick, quick side story of about it. And, and that made, it made me feel really good. Joel remember him as the block father. It's our one of our bosses at SB Nation now. Joel texted me mid-game, and he, not knowing that I had had tweeted that an hour before it goes, has anyone called this the logo game yet? And I <laughs> said, good that I'm in this position. I'm, I'm happy that <laughs> we're in the same thought process. So, yeah, the logo game. And I, I will say this, and, and two more parts on this. I think the Chiefs were playing more for LeJerry Sneed I think that was yeah. a greater source of inspiration than the logo. I think the logo was a fun thing that they were able to make fun of after the game where Patrick Mahomes said, you don't do that. Tyre Matthew comes on and says, that's not what champions do. My God, against your greatest rival, how great is it that they gave you an opportunity to say this after you smacked them 48-9 after they did this? But you could tell that I think the team was playing, and I don't want to say they were playing a lot harder, but you could tell it a little bit more emotion with the whole sneed thing and, and losing his brother. And and I, I think you really saw that bleed through. What you also saw bleed through, and this is dangerous for other teams, is the Chiefs are playing and they're having so much fun again. Yeah. The mm-hmm. PA puts on swag surf. Which man, I'm getting, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting old because you know I don't really know a ton about this, but this is what the kids are are doing, I guess nowadays. And they're dancing, and Mahomes is backing them up on the sideline. You have the PA staff playing wheels on the bus as the Raiders leave after their their victory lap last year. After the game, Patrick Mahomes sneaks into the press conference, turns to the media, and says "shh" and puts his finger to his to his lips and and and. Basically, wanted to be at the podium when Andy Reid walked in, and that was a lighthearted moment. <laughs> this team was not having fun at the beginning of the year. Frank yeah. confirmed that, and he, he said that has been the major change of the front four and, and the front seven, and really the defense as a whole. But I think it's the team as a whole, and it, you're starting to recapture that 2019 feel. I don't know, despite the winning, I don't know if we had this feel in 2020 because COVID was kind of like a cloud over everything even in it's the hard for anybody to have fun last year. Yeah, it really? didn't yeah. it didn't feel the same as 19. It didn't. Yeah. And then you had all the injuries and and the rest is history, but I I think this team is most dangerous when they're having a good time and that is clearly happening uh, again. Now, for a a less happy marinated takeaway for Chiefs fans. I want to read this from Mike Clay. The Chiefs have faced two high safeties less than 40% of the time in only two games this season. Week 10 versus the Raiders, 28%. Week 14 versus the Raiders, 24%. The Chiefs scored 41 in Week 10 and 48 in Week 14 compared to 23.8 per game in their other 11 games. And we have an article up, and you can go back and listen to Ron and Matt who touched upon this on Monday. But my greater, greater takeaway from this game is, and it's fitting because of the short week and because we're also forward looking is you, you got to see this type of performance against more than just the lowly Raiders who decide to stand on your logo. And I, I think it's a good opportunity on, on Thursday night to, to see, okay, can they repeat this because we did have an offensive explosion in a sense three weeks ago, and then you didn't really see it in the two games to follow. So there needs to be some consistency. I said it before this game. I said, okay, let's see if the offense can do it, but we're going to have to see it on Thursday. And so I think it's just a reaffirmation of that point where the Raiders are a little stubborn when it comes to not playing <laughs> the two high safeties. Yeah, it's in part, as I learned from speaking with uh, our friend from, from Vegas mm-hmm. who came on with us on the Airhead Pride interview series, because Jonathan Abram is not really a great coverage safety. So who knows if they have the personnel to even necessarily do that. That being said, when it comes to just the Chiefs, you need to see this offensive performance not only I think against the Chargers, but it would be nice to see it in three or four games in a row against the Steelers, against the Bengals. Can they continue to look this good on offense? I tend to think it's possible because the Chiefs have begun to lean a bit more in the run game and utilizing running backs. So not all, it doesn't always have to be an attempt, but like you saw on the screen to Daryl Williams, getting to it, to him, behind the line of scrimmage and punishing teams for playing a little bit further back. Now, Darrell Williams scored a touchdown. That's not always going to happen, but being able to get those chunk games with the runners, to me, is turning this offense into the maybe the juggernaut that we've been used to in previous years.
2: Yeah, you know, I I think you make a great point. I think we would all like to see the offense perform more to what we're accustomed to um, in these final weeks of the season. We would all like to see that but I'm starting to wonder if it matters, right? This defense is very good. It's a fair point. Does it, you know, does it really matter whether or not the chiefs can score 30 points in every game? If you've got a defense, that's just given up nine points in three of the last four games. I mean, they are on fire on the defensive side of the ball right now that travels really well at the end of the season In the cold weather and in the playoffs, Um, yes, it may be that the offense is not going to be what it's been uh, since Patrick Mahomes became the starter this year. I think there's a very good chance that we could see a return to that kind of an offense Next season, when the Chiefs have had more time to think about it and figure out how they're going to transition Mahomes into the player that he's going to be over most of his career compared to what he has been over the first three seasons of his starting career. But I'm wondering if it really matters if the offense is back. I mean, that that's the narrative from the national pundits on down is that the Chiefs can't be successful without Patrick Mahomes leading this spectacular offense. I'm not sure that the Chiefs can't be successful with the offense just as it is. But I agree with your point, though, Pete, that it'd be nice to see all of that offense back. And we might see it. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen some signs of life there, but I'm not sure it's necessary. We may not need it in order to be successful uh, through the rest of the season and the postseason. John, do you have any other marinated takeaways? Well, I was just going to make uh, another point about uh, that you kind of touched on here just a second ago. Um, One of the things that I learned going through the snap counts uh, this morning was that the Chiefs ran the ball more often in this game than they have in any other game this season. It was only by a percentage point difference compared to the previous (laughs) game where they ran the ball more than passed it. Um, And it was mostly because they got a lead early in the game. But what we saw from that, you know, they came out and did the normal percentage of pass plays versus running plays. Got a 14 point lead, started leaning on the run some more and the offense continued to be productive. And I think this is the lesson that we've been that those of us on the sidelines, people like us have been making for a while. It's like run the ball more. Right. You know, get give force teams to respect the possibility that you could run the ball they will not be playing two high safety sets if they believe that you can run the ball on them now the Chiefs were not fantastic at running the ball against the Raiders uh what was it 3.7 yards a carry or something Uh, that's not a great number um but they should be able to and if they just lean into it and commit to it, I think they could force teams to play them the way that the chiefs can be successful, which is without those two high safety looks. It doesn't need so, to
1: necessarily be a thriving part of the offense, but it needs to be a right. willingness because if you have right. a willingness, then you have the potential for Clyde to break out a 40 yard run and then right. teams will start, stop playing you such so soft in the soft shells. One last final marinated takeaway for me before we get into the best chiefs thing. And that is Melvin Ingram. What, A mistake by Pittsburgh for trading him. Oh, man. We've said it before, but they needed to trade him to the NFC if they were going to do it. And they didn't. And now they're going to have to play him in two weeks. uh, He will play the Chargers on Thursday night. This is going to be an emotional game for him. He's not going to tell you that. I can attest to that. Thank you, Melvin. And (laughs) um, uh, he had four pressures in this game, and he was pushing offensive linemen into Derek Carr. And he is is made a complete difference when it comes to the front four. I thought it was really interesting, and, and credit Tyron Matthew for answering my thing uh, uh, after the game of like the front four and and when they're thriving, the entire defense is thriving, and that's how Steve Spagnuolo defenses are, are built. And the only way these team and, and the defense has success. And Matthew admitted this is when those guys up front are cooking. And Melvin Ingram has made such a difference. This from Matt McMullen, friend of the site. The Chiefs pressure, Derek Carr in 45% of the dropbacks yesterday per PFF. Chris Jones at 10. And Frank Clark had 8 combined for 18 pressures. Ingram, as I said, added another, um, he added another 4 into that. Uh, McMullen added, since week 8, Chris Jones leads the NFL in pressures in 39 while Clark ranks 5th 28 so you have a, a situation with the chiefs where these guys are are thriving and I, a lot of that has to do with um ingram mcmullen highlighted week eight why does that matter because that's when the chiefs played the giants on on monday night football you know what happened the next day the chiefs got melvin ingram um maybe if the chiefs win this year's super bowl brett Veach's best move I know that he's mm-hmm. made a lot of them, and I know there's a draft pick of Sneed in there. I know there's a draft pick of Trey Smith. Uh, I know you want to get into Mahomes' conversation, whatever. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, the trade for Melvin Ingram may go down as his best move so far. And that is, uh, uh kind of goes back to your point, John, where the defense is playing so well, maybe the Chiefs' offense doesn't need to necessarily be what we've seen. In the past, they just have to go and get the job done.
2: But of course, some will say, why didn't he make it in the off season? You know, that, you know, they talked to Ingram in the off season, didn't make a deal with him. Well, it's because he wanted more money than they wanted to spend. And they wanted <laughs> to get, they wanted to get Jaron Reed. And they, if they, if they had signed Ingram at that time, they wouldn't have Jaron Reed. How would it look if Jaron Reed wasn't on the team? You know, these things are all interchangeable. And um, yes, uh, I understand the point people make about that, but the cap space is the cap space. You've you've got it or you don't. And the chiefs made all they, they emptied out the bank of potential moves to free camp space in order to make their changes on the offensive line. There wasn't some kind of magic they could pull to make it possible to sign Melvin Ingram at that time. Well, just
1: Donating LDT to the jets helped for sure. Yeah,
2: it did. It did. So. But the, but that didn't happen for a while. Well, yeah, I guess that happened right before then, didn't it? I have to stop and think about what the sequence was. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah it, they just didn't have the option to sign Ingram at that time for the money that he wanted. Right. And you got to credit Brett Veach for recognizing, okay, now we've got to make the move to get the guy. You know, right. I, I wondered at the time when he left town without signing a deal, well, the Chiefs had the money to sign him. Why didn't they? And I, I wondered if maybe there was a health issue or something. And that didn't turn out to be the case. But if that was something the Chiefs are worried about, it, they didn't have to be worried about it anymore. They'd seen him play in Pittsburgh. They knew he could be productive. And so you got to credit Veach for making that move at that point. And I understand why people want to, you know, lay into him because he didn't do it before. But you can't make every move you want to. That's just the way it is in the league right now.
1: And quite honestly, if, if Clyde Edwards, Hilaire doesn't fumble against the Ravens. And if they're not careless with the football against the chargers, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. And fans wouldn't be upset with
2: that, but it is what, right, it. right. No, that's a good point. All right. Chiefs best thing. Let's do it. Steve Patrick, you guys have won five games, but, uh, Six in a row now. This one felt a little bit different. Could you ask for a more complete outing from your team? No, it was a good game. Uh, we knew this was going to be an important game. It's always a great game against the Raiders. It's uh, that rivalry that's been built up for years. But I thought defense played well, special teams played well, and offense uh, we got going back on track a little bit. So uh, we got a big one coming up this week, so we're going to kind of keep that thing rolling.
1: Well, there you go. So Patrick Mahomes is is into his zone right now, and I, I think the thing that sticks out there um, is that the Chiefs, are really, I think, in the three phases playing complementary football. And and that is, to me, when any team is most dangerous. It's not just the defense. The offense is finally clicking. Special teams has been really good with Harrison Butker. We always have to knock on wood with your boy, John Harrison Butker, but <laughs> he's been coming through. And I I think that is a an underrated storyline that doesn't talk about a lot, is the operation of the kick seems to be seamless right now Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna know what i'm doing yeah um and so that's that's a key when you're you're talking about the margin of error decreasing when you get to these important games and then into the postseason so offense defense and special teams let's see if we get a repeat of the performance that we did on sunday on thursday night
2: that would be great to see i'm not counting on it but i'll take a win of any form in this particular instance yeah
1: we got a great week of content ahead. We're smushing it all into four days at arrowheadpride.com. John is an angel for helping me out today. I'll pull the curtain back and I'll thank you publicly, John. John's going to be really manning the ship today as I make my way to Los Angeles on, on a big media day for us. So, appreciation to him. Appreciate the Steve Serta and the background here. Thank you for your reviews. I'm still going to read them. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. That's how much I want you to review. So, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Uh, Please leave us a rating and a review coming up on Wednesday. It'll be an Arrowhead drive followed by our great Brits previewing this game Thursday night, because it is, is their typical night to record. I told you Ron, the show Hughley and Steve Serta will be wrapping this game on the Arrowhead Pride podcast uh, network and the Rapid Reaction show. I haven't told Steve this, this yet, but I might try to to drop in there. Maybe we won't tell show because, you know, he doesn't listen to the show. He's too busy in Houston. So that'd be a nice surprise <laughs> for him on Thursday night. Um, but anyway, thank you for listening to the Airhead Pride Podcast ne- Network. It's been a, a great year. It's been a great holiday season. And here we continue on on Thursday Night Football. So for Don Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Again, thank you for joining us on the Airhead Pride Editor's
2: Show.